everyone, and welcome to the Exceptional Advice Show. I am Tristan Elwood. And I'm Baz Garner. So, Baz, what are we talking about today? Um, we are talking about engagement language. So, this is part of our, our four key elements of client engagement. So, it's actually a five-part five parts little mini-series in our show. Um, so, yeah, engagement language is the topic for today. Awesome. So, did you did you want to start anywhere, or <laughs> we uh, decided to reverse, reverse <laughs> to to mix up the intro today? So it's, uh, it's a little awkward now that we've done it. Um, so, just to remind everyone again that you can watch these ones out of order, but if it's on YouTube, we'll probably put them in a separate playlist as well, as well as them, you know, the main list. Um, and you can watch them out of order, although it would probably be a reasonable idea to somewhere at the start watch the overview. So the four key elements of client engagement, because that mm-hmm. kind of explains how all, all of the four sub, sub bits fit into place. So we've covered off on, you know, the four elements, which are price pressure, um, contextual sequence, uh, relationship status, and then we're on to the fourth one today, which is engagement language. So um, what's engagement language? What does it mean? What is engagement language? This is one of the easy ones to answer. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's all to do with what you communicate, um, when, when you're talking to clients, basically when you're, when you're engaging someone. Yeah. So how are you communicating with clients? What is your engagement language? And, and I guess there is a little bit more to it than just, just that, because if we delve into it and explain it more, well, what do we mean by engagement language? Because it's not just, it's not just the specific words you used, is there? Mm. No, no. Cause you've, I mean, we, we talked about it in a couple of the other episodes as well. You're always communicating consciously and subconsciously. Yeah, and um, by the way, if you if you haven't watched the episode on conscious versus subconscious communication... Mm, yeah, it's a good one as well. Yeah, definitely. That will definitely help give some, some framing to the stuff that we're talking about today as well. Um, so, in other words, what is your engagement language? And it's much broader than just the words you use. Mm. So if you're, if you're pumped, if you're completely amped and you're totally in the zone and you say a sentence, is that sentence going to come across slightly differently to the same sentence said if, you know, you, j- you just had one of your loved ones die and, you know, you've, or you've had a bunch of other negative stuff happen right before, you know, you say the sentence? No, it'll come off exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, good one. Yeah. Um, no, it won't. I think he was trying to demonstrate it at the time. Um, so my point is that communication goes far beyond just the words that you're using. So, and again, in all the episodes, we kind of keep mentioning this thing intent trumps everything and your engagement with a client always starts with you. It starts with your mindset, what you believe, how you perceive your value, whether you're clear with yourself about the reason that you're, you know, you're doing what you're doing. Um, it all starts with you. And so the same thing applies to your language, your intent, your state of being, your state of mind um, will change how you communicate because communication is not just conscious, right? It's not just the words you use. It's the sentence syntax. It's the intonation. It's the energy that you put into things with your body and your language. Okay, I was taking Tristan's lead there a little a little extreme see exactly the same (laughs) comes across differently doesn't it so how you communicate 
the energy you put into it, the thought, the and the intent, it all changes how it's interpreted or how it's experienced by the other person. And um, and so when we're looking at engagement language, and we're going through this, and we're working with advisors, and by the way, not just advisors, when we're looking at it for ourselves, right? So we follow, you know, we follow our own advice. We kind of we we review we review our work. We take a look at what we're doing. We record our meetings and we go over how we've gone in those meetings. You know, I've had some interesting ones this week and I've really had the chance to self-reflect on, did I do that well? Did I not do that well? Is this the client? Is this me? You know, these are really important questions. Um, so we, you know, for us, the conversation around this is is about us being better together. It's It's not just for you guys. It's for us to be more exceptional as advisors too. So engagement language, what are the things that we measure when, you know, we're, we're sitting down with ourselves or we're sitting down with a client of ours who also happens to be an advisor? Well, I guess one of the key summary elements is definitiveness. I think that's a really yeah, good sure. word for probably the most important component of your engagement language, right? So what, what, what's definitive versus not definitive? Um... I'm not really sure. Maybe it's something to... I heard this one dude say... Well, no. Um, you you can get things across to someone in totally different ways. So, for example, um, say you're talking about fees with a client, right? And it's coming to the moment where, you know, they've they've given you all the information you need. You've gone, uh, gone back and put something together for them. And you're going to say, look, we can help you with that. It's going to cost this much. This is how it's going to work, blah, blah, blah. How you get that across to them is sort of how definitive you're, you're being, right? So you can dance around the fee issue and go, look, I know this might seem expensive. You know, we've done the work. We've taken the price down as much as we can for you. This is the best we can give you. It's going to be $2,000. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's that's a good example. Well done. That's very not definitive. And it's, yeah, you're, you're nervous about it. You're worried about, you know, whether it's hurting their feelings or putting them out of too much money. I don't know if we should really... Is it worth this? And it's really coming across in the way you're doing it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you've got to listen to plenty of... Yeah, one or two. <laughs> so one of the things we do with uh, when, when we're working with each other, but also with, uh, with advisor clients, is you know, get them to record meetings. So together we can go through... And it, you do, half the time you don't even know what you're communicating. And a big, a big part of this is learning to be objective with yourself and learning to recognise your own intent and the own coloration of your language as you're using it. And a good example of this is, you know, I've, I haven't written one for a while because we've switched to doing these episodes. But, you know, I used to write, write a newsletter and a blog post every week, right? We did that for, I don't know, years. Yeah, years. Um, and it's kind of funny because whenever I'd write it, um, you know, at the time uh, my wife, Julie, was, um, was the operations manager. Um, you know, this is when we're doing lots of big events and all kinds of stuff. So she's just a, she's just crazy good at, uh, coordinating and making, <laughs> and making things happen. Um, and I, I always kind of use her as my, my content editor because <laughs> she, cause she knows me so well and she's uh, not afraid to, uh, to give me input either. Um, and she'd like so often, like probably, <laughs> probably 80% of the time she'd get to the end and go, wow, that was really good. 
and then you made it shit right at the end. <laughs> right? So right at the end, you were kind of like, well, yeah, so maybe what you think and, you know, and, and kind of hedging your bets. So I'd be kind of delving into something and really explaining it. And then at the end, I'd kind of go soft and say, well, you know, whatever you think. And so what I'm communicating is, was a mixed message. You know, this, um, this is my idea. This is my opinion. This is my, you know, informed research and how I've come to this conclusion. But I don't know if that's right and it could be shit. <laughs> Right, that's kind of how it came across, and so whenever she was editing it, she'd just remove all of the all of that bit, um, and then she'd pull me aside and go, "You did it again. Look what you put in," and you know it was re- it was a really good experience for me. Um, I think that was the best part of uh, of you know me blogging every week for five years. So the key bit here is how definitive are you? What are you communicating? And just remember and. Um, if you haven't checked it out already, then I definitely suggest going and maybe maybe zoning into a uh, contextual sequence that we just kind of covered off on as well. Yeah. Um, and that'll help kind of set the scene as to what context changes. So your context, your intent going into a meeting, what you've experienced before or how you're thinking about the meeting is going to change your body language. So if you think your fee is expensive, your, the way you communicate it is going to be different. If you don't think it's worth it, then what are you going to communicate to a client? You might say to the client, here's where you are, here's what we're going to do, this is the fee, but you don't believe it's worth it. But you, it's like maybe you're an employee or you're doing whatever or you're just doing it because Baz said that was a, you know, you should charge more, whatever. But if you're doing that and you go to a client and you absolutely, unequivocally don't believe it's worth it, what's what's part of the message you're going to be communicating to the client? Same thing. Yeah. So will you be being definitive? You could say, well, I said it directly. I didn't hesitate. Well, actually, no, you did. And look at your body language and look at the tone and, and whatever. Um, and I think it's really important for advisors. And uh, guys, we just don't do enough of this. And it's why we do this. You've got to objectively review yourself, right? Not just your just your technical capability most of you if you're a financial advisor accountant or whatever and you're listening to this show you probably got pretty damn good at the tools part of what you do right you're probably pretty good on the tools or maybe you've moved past it and you're not actually that good on the tools right so do i help clients restructure businesses and whatever yeah have i been on the tools as far as business structuring and tax structures and all the rest of it yeah but um, do I do that technically as part of what I do know now? No. Do I still know it really well? Yeah, but am I as good on the tools? Well, no, and I don't need to be and I don't intend to be. I do get it though completely and I'm very happy to use other people to fill in the, the last bits of gaps for that. My point is you're probably good on that, right? But how objective are you being about how you communicate to your client? Because if you're not reviewing this and if you're not getting other people to review it, you're not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can bullshit yourself and apologize for any swearing in this particular episode. Um, sometimes swearing is definitive. <laughs> That's my def- <laughs> Sorry. I just thought I'd, I'd just rather throw that one in there. Look, you can BS yourself as much as you want. You can think that you're doing it perfectly. You can pretend that it's good. But honestly, you're not going to be doing the best version of, of it because you haven't, you haven't been objectively reviewing it. You haven't been holding yourself accountable. It's like anything, you know, if you want to be, I don't know, I'm, 
I like archery, right? So there you go. You know something more about me today. Um, you know, I, I remember, I remember my my parents getting me this little tiny fiberglass bow when, when I was uh, seven years old, and I remember shooting in my first competition when I was eight. And you know, I I like archery, so I'm going to use that one as an analogy because I use golf golf uh, as an analogy sometimes, and that kind of falls flat because <laughs> I'm a terrible golfer. Um, I did, however, get a hole in one in my first game, first game I ever played, a hole in one, and so that's where I left it because I peaked, <laughs> I peaked early. I did that in putt putt. I think that's that's oh my really? peak. Okay, <laughs> a hole in one in putt putt. That's maybe yep. not quite as impressive. Just just for those golfers out there who are slightly curious <laughs> about what what do you mean you got a hole in one? Yeah, look, it was a, it was actually a short hole. I think it was like a par three, um, and this particular field had power lines running along, and I you know the holes over there. I hit it as hard as I could because that's what I thought you did in my first game of golf, and it just literally shot straight up in the air, and it hit the transformer on the line. So it hit the transformer and then shot, and it literally ran straight across the line, hit the transformer like another 100 metres down, bounced straight off of that and straight in the hole. So <laughs> I'm not going to claim that there was any skill involved in that whatsoever. Um, so coming back to <laughs> from golf, back to archery. Today we have... Barrows Gardner stepping up to the line. No, I'm not going to pretend to be the commentator. <laughs> um, but look, if you wanted to be an Olympic athlete, and um, I do, you know, so Clint Freeman, who won the Olympic medal and was world champion for a while, um, uh, I, I've met, I know. Um, if you wanted to be that good, well, guess what? He used to train a hell of a lot. And he used to have coaches and he had people to look at his form and what he's doing. So you're tuning into this because... It's called the Exceptional Advice Show, so I'm assuming that you're interested in being an exceptional advisor. Well, guess what? It's almost impossible to move from good to great to exceptional without having some external objectivity. Now, one level of that is simply recording your meetings and then reviewing them yourself. But even then, it's hard to be completely objective about it. I mean, it's an important thing to do, and I encourage you all to do it. But getting other people to do it, you know, doing it with your other team members, getting external parties to come in, right? It's important to do. Um, you know, I get my I, I get my clients, the ones that I've been engaged with them for longer, to review my, review what I do. We don't do enough of this. You're not doing enough of this. You're taking the most important part of what the value is in your business, in your career, your engagement. It's the most important part, and I think advisors generally take that bit for granted when it's actually the most important bit they think they've got it well no i don't have it i'm obsessed with it right i teach other people it i practice it myself you know i've built algorithms and formulas and scorecards and and metrics and i've done workshops and you know hundreds of keynotes engagements and all the rest of it about this topic and i don't have it right i'm so far from having it it's not funny you know, every, every, every week I learn new lessons about my own level of ability to, to, you know, to run client engagement. And I'm excited by that because it means I, I can keep doing this for a, for a lot longer yet. So my point in this, you're not doing it enough. You need to be objective. You need to review it. And I know I've spent a lot of time talking about this right now, but it's just such a big deal. If you want to be definitive about your engagement language, if you want your engagement language to be on par, then you're going to need to review it. Because in the moment, you don't even know. You'd like It's too hard to even know what you're communicating. 
So, and I always ask people this, right, to help to help them understand, right? Is if have you ever been around someone when you're just in the same room as them and they it feels like they're sucking the energy out of you? Yep. <laughs> okay. You said that a little too definitively. I'm kind of. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Right, you weren't you weren't thinking of anyone in particular, way. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, smartass. <laughs> um. So yeah, look, everyone can answer that question, and hopefully, it's not me. But um, for some people, I'm sure I've I push their buttons, and I'm a you know look. You can't you can't resonate with everyone. That's the first thing you have to understand. It's my first rule of social media. Some people are not going to like you, and that's great. Okay, so hopefully you've listened to me ramble on today. So, you know, we've got a bit of resonance and connection. Um, so, yeah, as far as your language goes, how you communicate is at so many different levels. So it could just be your presence. It can be your energetic state and your frame of being and your state of reference all makes up your intent and that changes the color of your language every time. And, you know, we've had the... The pleasure, it's not always super exciting, but it, it is actually pleasurable um, of listening to lots of recordings. So we just don't, we don't just run our own meetings. We then punish ourselves by listening <laughs> to recordings of, of lots of other advisors' meetings and then of each other's meetings. So we must, we, we must be nutjobs who are really obsessed with this whole advice process and, and we, we definitely are. And in doing that, I can definitely say to you, and it's really kind of cool to be able to say to someone, look, look at, listen to how you spoke then, right? What were you really communicating there? And then when you went into it, what were you thinking? And can you see how when you went into it, your fear of this or your perspective on the client is like this, like shaped you forming this fixed position and then you communicated it directly to the client and helping them see that. So every single time, your perspective, your context, your intent changes how you communicate. And learning how to master that is a process, right? And it's a process that I'll be working on for, you know, the rest of my life. But uh, this is this is really the, the concept of engagement language. So how definitive are you being? And we talked about definitiveness. So do you really mean it? Okay, what's the fee? This is, what's your value? Are you being upfront with people? Are you hedging your bets? Now, it's kind of interesting because most of you tuning into this, you're already really good advisors, right? You know, I don't, I don't kind of get to meet and speak to people too often that I'm not like, wow, this, this, you know, this, this lady or this, this guy is, is really good. Um, that's exactly how it happens. Um, so they're really good at what they do. And their definitiveness around their advice itself is usually off the charts. And in fact, most of the people I get to speak to are, are better at it than I am, right? I listen to it and I go, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's really good. And where consistently there's, there's a fall down is the definitiveness of their own value, okay? So if there's one bit where, you know, maybe, maybe I shine above a lot of the people that I get to work with, it's the understanding the value and translating that to someone. By the way, I'm not perfect at it. By the way, do I, do I sometimes, you know, sometimes get the sweaty palms or whatever when I'm talking about money or whatever? Yes, yeah, look, sure. Because it's the best reflection and challenge to self-worth. It's your value. When you got to say to a client, this is where you are, this is where you want to be, here's how I'm going to help you get there, the value is on you. 
And uh, I think that's why a lot of advisors don't delve into more exceptional advice because they focus on the technical structured bit because it's confronting to move beyond that because then it's all about you, right? Not, not the advice. The advice was great. The advice was sound. It was, you know, structurally perfect. Well, no, exceptional advice isn't about structurally perfect advice. It's about helping people to get more of what they want out of life, to be a better version of themselves, to be accountable to those things, to have better relationships, make better choices, to be clear about who they are, you know, to confront their own obstacles in the way, you know, all of these kind of things, that's exceptional advice. And if you're getting someone to pay for that, that's all you, you can't kind of hide behind something. That's why owning your own value and learning to be clear about it is one of the kind of precursors to becoming better at the life-changing exceptional advice bit. It all kind of fits together in that nice synchronous um, pathway. So fees, value, who you are, what you expect from clients, what your advice is. Um, these are all of the areas that we would encourage you to be looking at and thinking, how clear am I being? How definitive am I being? Am I being upfront? And what are the things that my own belief patterns or fears or concerns or whatever, how am I actually communicating that? Because like we said before, you could be saying the words right, but communicating two different messages. So then your client's getting both messages at once. And so they may come on board, they may pay you, but your message is diluted. You're not being anywhere near as clear or as definitive. And the other thing I would say about this is, um, is really just authenticity, right? So are you being honest enough with people, right? Is, is your language honest enough? And I don't mean honest enough about your morality. I'm not questioning your morality or any of those things. I mean, are you being direct enough about the relationship of you or your concerns or where it's at or how it's going? You know, are you, are you hedging your bets? Are you leaving things on the table? And so they're all the things we consider in, you know, engagement language. Sorry, Tristan, I know I've monologued a fair bit <laughs> there, mate. So, um, so thoughts on that. Anything you'd like to add? Um, not really. I mean, if you want to delve deeper into something, we can do that. But I, th I think that's a really good overview okay. um, of kind of everything that you have to consider when you think about the, the definitiveness. Um, the, the only real thing I'd, I'd want to expand a bit on is the, um, the what are you communicating versus what are you saying? Mm. Um, and especially when you go back and look at yourself, you know, even if, you know, you see a, a not so great picture of yourself that someone's posted somewhere, you like, you are easily your biggest critic for reasons that no one else even notices. Um, and so at, at times you kind of have to keep that in check, but it's also a very big strength when it comes to reviewing your own stuff. Um, so it's very easy to be critical of yourself. You know, that's a really good point and maybe a, one that you weren't intending to make, but I might just expand upon it. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that is that I think a lot of the reason advisors don't review their own work is because it's confronting. Yeah, definitely. Because you are your biggest critic. And so it's easier for you to just say, no, I'm good, I've got this, and then subconsciously steer away from, you know, the act of looking at yourself saying yeah. stuff. All the... Like when I say recording meetings, right? I don't expect you to sit up, set up a video camera in your in your interview room. Um, 
But certainly, if you're not doing Zoom meetings now in the age of COVID, then you ne- you're never going to cotton on to the technology. Um, just for the record, all my meetings are via Zoom, um, and you know I've got I've got clients that have been clients for years that I know, you know I know more about the, them than they do about themselves half the time, and you know they're some of my you know some of my closest connection and best friends, and we've had some you know their outcomes have just been mind blowing. And I've not met them in person, right? So I think video and the nuance of video, you can get all of this stuff across. You can be definitive. You can be direct. Uh, you can read body language. You can read energy. Is it is it as good as being in person? Look, no, but it's probably 95, 96%. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to – quick segue – um, so if you're, as we do, so we run everything via Zoom, so we just have our meeting set up to record to the cloud. And I just say this to clients, look, our meeting's being recorded um, and it's for a couple of reasons. The main reason is because we don't want to miss things. Um, the second reason is, f- and probably the biggest reason is for you, um, probably about 50% of our client meetings, clients will say, hey, can I have a copy of that one? There's stuff that came out that, that I want to go back and review. Um and so we do. And we also use it for the third reason, which is to review how we've gone, right? Just like we're going to tell you guys to do, we review how we go. Um, we've just, for anyone who's curious about the tech side of it, uh, we've just got it set up to auto-delete. Um, so we let clients know that they can ask for a copy um, whenever they want, but we're not going to keep it as a permanent record. Um, that's just part of our how we handle the privacy, but also the data because we're doing a lot of meetings and that's a lot of storage space. Um, so what is it about every couple of weeks? We do every three weeks. Okay. So every three weeks, the, so it was the 21 days and then the, okay. I couldn't remember if it was 14 days or whatever. Um, so yeah, very important to review that. And I think one of the reasons a lot of people won't, and Tristan really kind of made, made a great point there is because you're your biggest critic, right? And I get it as well when we're working with clients and we're asking them to record meetings and we're going to sit down and go through that together. How does that feel when you're not just going to criticize yourself, but you're going to have someone else go through and pull that apart? That can be quite confronting, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I know if I open that up to other people to hey, take a look and give me critique, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, and... Again, that's why we're not trying to work with everyone either. We, we, we know which clients we want and then they need to have reached a point where, you know, the ego, the ego has, has got them to, hey, I want to be better at this and I'm willing to be wrong and I'm willing to have constructive input. So, so for us, that's important. Um, but yeah, you, your subconscious is probably set up to make you avoid reviewing your own progress on this. And if you let that win then you're not being the best version of yourself and you're not really committed to the process of exceptional advice, in my opinion. This is such a big step, recording your client meetings and reviewing it yourself. And and next level, having other people do the same, getting someone else mm. to help you look at it objectively. So hard to be objective about it yourself. You should be doing it. You should practice it all the freaking time because you get better at that objectivity but don't just count on it. Get other input from others, you know. And one of the things that are, that I think uh, is quite interesting is that, you know, I've I've had engage or 
I've looked at having engagements with firms. I remember one particular accounting firm, accounting and financial planning, pretty, pretty, you know, pretty reasonable size business. I think two or three hundred employees. Um, been around for a for a long time, and I remember the CEO at one point saying, "You know, we've got a we've got a bit of an issue with how we're translating this to the board, um, because at the end of the day, fundamentally, they don't believe in hiring consultants." <laughs> You know that was that was actually what he said, and um, I I actually said to him I pulled him aside and said Hey mate, do you, you do realize that you just said that they don't believe in what they do, <laughs> right? So you're talking to me about growing the business advisory component, right, and the financial advice component primarily. Yeah, they've got compliance and accounting and whatever, but their focus was on developing these things. <laughs> so you do realize the irony in this the reason it's not happening is because you don't fundamentally believe in what you do um if you did if you did believe in advice then you'd be walking your walk right and i think that's also important so my best tip for you guys is be objective about this stuff yourself look at your own your own engagement look at your own engagement language get other people to give you input um, because if you're an advisor and you're not getting advice you're just kidding yourself right that's how i look at it um so i'm you know i'm looking for places to get advice as well um and i certainly have in fact that's probably something that i've not done much over the last 12 months so good reminder to me let's go and find the next person to come in and give some objective input okay um any other any other bits there did I think you I think you made some really good points there as well Tristan especially that bit at the end where our own best or worst critic and uh, you can't let that be the thing to hold you up yeah or well, even practically right so before I made a brilliant point that I didn't mean to um, <laughs> when when reviewing your own stuff it's very easy to pick up on little things that other people wouldn't notice so that's kind of the negative draw of it but the positive draw of reviewing your own stuff is that when when you're trying new methods or you're maybe split testing something, you're very easily going to be able to pick up, okay, yeah, I see. Like, it, it's going to be really easy and snappy, whereas for other people, a lot of the other stuff is going to feel the same. So even, like, say you're reviewing your first recording, you're just getting started. A couple of things I'd mention are don't go too hard on yourself, but nothing isn't important. And also play to your strengths. If you watch it through, I don't know, two or three times and you're like, I still can't figure it out. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't like, that's the thing, right? You need to be able to get into the habit of reviewing yourself without making it a big deal. Yeah. So I think that if I could sum it up, don't be too hard on yourself. If you're being hard, yeah, you're critiquing yourself. But you're critiquing yourself because it's freaking awesome because you're yeah. looking for things to pick up so you can be better on. Not to go, why the F did you do that, you stupid idiot, right? So don't be hard on yourself at all. If you're doing that, then you know what? It's going to be the worst process ever. Yeah. Right? It'll make it worse, not better. Um, I'm super excited by effing up a client engagement. right? I know this sounds weird, but after so many years and doing so many, I kind of want the new quirky, interesting scenarios or the bits where I've dropped the ball or whatever because how else am I going to learn and get better? So remember that. There's no such thing as perfection, just iteration, okay? 
you're never going to be perfect at client engagement. So let go of that idea and then maybe you can let go of the, the self-fear or recrimination about reviewing your work and get excited by it. Get excited by giving yourself input and having input from others so you can do a better job of this, right? Um, you know, just a little tip. You know, we run different peer groups and things at times as well. So we find that bouncing clients off each other is, is, is also works. So it could be for you, you know, forming a network. I mean, most advisors have got a professional network that they have. Make it, make it an exercise to review each other's stuff. Um, just be very careful who you're doing that with because you, you don't want someone who comes into it and they, they've got the old school professional framing and, you know, so they end up giving you, giving you the wrong input. Um, listen to the entire series on client engagement before and make sure that anyone who's giving you input has listened to all of them would be my tip. So that way you're actually getting input on the right things. Okay, are you being authentic? Are you being clear? Is your is your body language definitive? Are you leaving stuff on the table? Are you willing to delve deeper into things with, with your clients? Um, and are you owning your own value? That's really the core elements. And so, yeah, get other people to to go on this journey with you get them to watch the videos so they know where they're at and then work on it together Absolutely. okay any other points for engagement language no no that's that's it for me all our all our notes are ticked off okay awesome cool well uh thanks thanks everyone for joining us this episode um if you're watching on podcast feel free to throw us a follow on youtube like sub whatever you like um and make sure to check out the other videos in the playlist um four key elements of client engagement um there's an intro and then the four individual ones going into more detail um thanks for watching and we'll see you next episode see you later everyone